concluding our Kingdom Maker series this morning. It's been a blessing. I know it's kind of weird because uh, when you start thinking about the verse today about Kingdom Makers and, I mean, Peacemakers, peace is kind of an elusive thing in the world. I think the last study that I read said that through all recorded history, there was only 286 years where there was peace, right? It's something that's really difficult for uh, us in civilization to sort of achieve. It's uh, the one, I I know I'm going to get lambasted for this joke, but here's the thing. There's, just to give you an illustration, there was this woman, she was walking on the beach and she found a a genie bottle and she rubbed it and a genie came out. And and so she was all excited. So she thought she'd get three wishes. And he says, you know, with all the downsizing and budget cuts, I can only give you one. And so she goes, well, if that's it, then I'd like to have peace for the Middle East. And she pulls out her phone and she shows him a map of the Middle East and all the countries that she's talking about. And the genie looks at it and he goes, that's just impossible. I mean, I got power, but I don't have that kind of power. That's you know, you have to come up with something else. So she goes, all right, well, if I have to come up with something else, well, I'm not married. I, I would like a, a, a perfect husband. I want him to be, you know, a, a attractive, but yet uh, humble and strong and confident, but yet sensitive. I want him to, uh, you know, like what I like because I like it. I want him to value and respect my opinion. And he, in mid-sense, he looked at her and said, let me see that map again. Right? <laughs> Peace is an elusive thing and is... As we get into the passage today, the interesting thing, we're building on to it. We're in the seventh week, and there's some things that are interesting. The first three, I don't want you to notice, remember we talked from the beginning that it's about what God wants us to be in order to do what we are, right? And so we, you know, we, we, it's how a man think it, so he is. And, you know, the kingdom makers, they have these attributes. The first three deal with, you know, how we enter the kingdom of God, right? So poor in spirit speaks to humbleness, right? Mourning breaks our brokenness before God with our sin. And then meekness is really that stayed hand that our lives are now controlled by the power of God over our nature. And then the next three deal with how we express the kingdom of God, right? Verse 6 was, you know, hunger and thirst after God. It's a new attitude that's upward, right? It's about the vertical and not the horizontal. But then the, the next week, verse 7, it says that we're to be merciful. It's a new attitude that's outward. In other words, if we recognize our brokenness and our humility and all that God has done for us and we're thirsting after God, are we not going to express mercy to those around us? And then last week we talked about that inward pure heart, right? That, that, that attitude of the inward man that's focused and stayed on God. And then this week it switches, because I think for the kingdom maker, the characteristics, the attributes of a kingdom maker are now well defined, and God shifts in verse 9 here, giving us the seventh, the number seven in scripture is always meant for completeness or finished, right? And he talks about peacemakers, and it's it's, it's, in other words, what we do to impact the world. If we're all those things, if we're humble and broken and meek and we thirst after God and, and, and we're merciful and we're pure in heart, guess what our goal is going to be? It's going to be the ministry of reconciliation in the world to bring the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, to people who are far from God. And so it's interesting because Jesus gives us something to do, not just something to be. In other words, kingdom makers are people of action. So I'm going to give you a a basic fundamental definition, and I'm going to expand on it really quickly. Really, fundamentally, a peacemaker does something 
that makes a situation better, right? And so in, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says, God has called you to peace. He's called us to peace. In Colossians, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called into one body. And guess what? Be thankful. Be thankful. You know, and and, one of my favorite passages, which is not up on the screen, is that when when Paul gives us the the armor of God and what we're to wear, one of those things are, are, are feet fitted with the gospel of peace. With readiness, it says, to go and preach the word. To be people who do. It's interesting because we don't really think about that, being ready to go and do. To be who God's called us to be. Because we realize what it means to be a kingdom maker. To do something that makes situations better. Some are here this morning and you have a relationship with family or friends or even someone in the church that has been broken or harmed. And I'm going to tell you today, go do something about it to make it better. Some of you have habits or addiction that cause you guilt. And I'm going to tell you today, go do something to make the situation better. Some are stuck in a life situation that leaves them sad and hopeless and it's not what you've envisioned for your life and I'm here to say, by the grace of God, go do something to make it better. You name the trouble or difference with those who are blessed by God, it's the ability to go and do something to make it better. God doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to live in the hope and the peace that he won by the way of the cross at Calvary, amen? And so I think what we have to first ask is, what is peace that we're talking about? And it's interesting, because here's where language really takes a kind of a, a little different twist. And that's why I always say, when you're looking for a definition, go to a biblical source to get the real definition, or at least see the difference, right? So in the English, when you look at peace in the English dictionary, it basically says the, absent, the absence of strife or conflict. That's, that's, that's one definition, you know, the absence of strife and conflict. So if we were talking about getting peace in the Middle East, that might fit because it's not going to really bring those parties together, but it may be a period where there is no strife or conflict. So that's interesting. If you know, you know, Israel and Hezbollah will stop bombing each other, there might be absence of strife and conflict, but there still won't be any peace because their philosophies and ideologies wage war against each other. In the Greek language, what the New Testament is written in, it's the idea of rest that is based on agreed-upon terms, right? A little bit different, but a little bit the same. But on the other hand, in the Hebrew language, it's, you know, we know Jesus was a Hebrew. It has the idea that everything that makes for the person's highest good, right? We see the word shalom in Scripture, meaning peace, you know, and so they would always greet each other with peace be with you. Uh, we see Jesus doing that, especially after he comes back from the grave, which is kind of an interesting what I'll talk about in a minute. So when you say in the Greek that they could have peace with God, he understood it to mean that he would have, if he met the terms of repentance and faith, he could be reconciled with God. But to the Hebrew, he would understand that God's very best would come to him. So if you were to greet somebody and you knew their greatest need was they're struggling with their faith, your shalom would mean, hey, I want the highest good for you to know God more. If they were struggling with health, your shalom would be, I want you to have more health. Whatever it may be, the shalom was really personalized to the individual, their situation, and their circumstances because they knew that only peace, real peace, 
comes from God. The people that God blesses are those who seek to remove conflict and strife between people and between people and God, and that's what it means to be a peacemaker. It's interesting, God blesses for making him known, known the terms of his agreement with mankind and understanding of one, how peace was made on our behalf and how it is received on our behalf. Jesus said to his disciples just before he went to the cross in John 14, 27, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In other words, the peace I give is everlasting. It transcends your circumstances and your situation. He went out, and after that, the interesting after he said, he goes out and he's beaten, he's maligned, he's ridiculed, he's criticized, and not once does he lash out. Not once does he light anybody up. When he saw Peter after he denied him three times, he gave him a look of love, not of condemnation. It's interesting how easy we are set off when people offend us and people do things that dishonor us or hurt us. To me, if we had peace, we'd be able to suffer through some injustice, some criticism, some ridicule. To me, the peace that he's talking about refers to an inner tranquility that results, is the result of a complete trust in a sovereign God. He's in control. It's hard to believe sometimes that God's in control of your finances when you mess them up. It's hard to believe that God's in control of your relationships when you've messed them up, or your career, or your life. But he is. Nothing you do sidetracks him from not working in your life to make you more like his son, which means to make you more like a peacemaker. John 16, said, I say these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. Isn't that true? You look around life, it's difficult. In our country, we don't have any peace. But we do in Christ. But take heart. I love this. I have overcome the world. In other words, I got it in control. Even when things seem out of control, I am in control. I can use you no matter what you've done. I am in control. To me, I think it's important to understand that a lot of times that the enemy of peace is really sin, and we think that's a way of defeating peace in this world. And have you ever wondered why every human effort that brings or tries to bring about international peace has failed? The League of Nations failed. Really, the United Nations is pretty much a failure in, t- in terms of driving peace. And, and what's the problem? And to me, the solution isn't a political solution. It's not a social solution. It's not a financial solution. Basically, to have peace, it's a moral theological solution. That's what the world doesn't get. Scripture says it this way. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members. In other words, the reason why we don't have peace in this world is that we're not in peace inside. And those natural desires wage against your natural desires, and that causes strife and conflict. See, the trouble, then, is in the heart of man, is it not? And until the heart of man is changed, 
We will never solve the problem. He'll never solve the problem by trying to manipulate his circumstances. Never happen. You can do all you want, but let me tell you something. You'll never be able to bring about peace through manipulation that's lasting. Romans says this in Romans 5. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. A little bit later on in the chapter, it all makes sense when he says this in verse 21. And you, meaning us, were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, right? That's that part we talked about, the characteristic of a, of a kingdom maker, someone who has the ability to have a staid hand over their nature, right? That's meekness. He is now reconciled in his body and flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless, above reproach before him, if you indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all nations under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a minister. If you don't have peace, basically there's something wrong with your heart. If you're a person that is angry and hateful and upset with the slightest of things, there's something wrong with your heart. If you're a person that gets jealous and envious over people who do and get things that you don't have, it's a problem with your heart. If you're a person that sulks because no one pays attention to your needs, something is wrong with your heart. If you're a person who has a history of broken and damaged relationships, something is wrong with your heart. It's amazing when people are hurting how they want to tell everybody they're hurting or show somebody they're hurting and not be a peacemaker by doing something to make the situation better. Isn't it amazing? I know people who are married and go weeks without talking to each other and do everything they can to aggravate the other person in the process, but they're not willing to do one thing to make the situation better. I see it in the church sometimes. Somebody gets offended, and they make sure that that person knows they were offended. They do nothing to make it any different or any better, but they think somehow that is going to make it better. There's something wrong with the heart. He wants to, I think God wants to transform us so much to be peacemakers, to make you in a person of peace. It's akin to making a lion a vegetarian. Only God can do that. Only God can help us overcome. Because why? He is the source of peace. God is the source of peace. Romans 14, 19 says, So then let us pursue what makes for peace, for mutual building up. In other words, there's this idea that we have to do something. We are peacemakers, which means we have to go out and pursue peace. Don't misread that. It's not that we're the ones that make peace, because that's only what God does but we're the ones that go out and do his work by him. Because the point is that peace has to be made. It never happens by chance, does it? It's about something that we have to do. We, are not, we shouldn't get that false idea that the phrase peacemaker is making peace up to us. It's up to the Lord. We are just its messengers. Proverbs sixteen seven says, When a man's ways please God... He makes even his enemies at peace with him. Isn't that cool? He does the work, right? That's why we can say in Romans 8, 28, God works in all things, right? For to go to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God takes things and works them for good. 
Proverbs 12.20 says, Deceit is in the heart of those who have devised evil, but those who plan peace have joy. See, that's the cool thing about this seventh uh, beatitude. It's really about what will make us happy. Joy. How many people want to be joyful? You know, if I, if I ask you to raise your hands, everybody wants to be joyful. But then I asked, are you really a joyful person? I bet most of the hands would go down. And why should we not? We have the God of peace reigning in our hearts. To me, I think that we have to look at things differently. Men are without peace because they were without God, the source of peace. I saw a bunch of interviews where somebody was doing on-the-street interviews with people, and 95% of the people didn't know the Lord. When they asked them, where does peace come from, they all said it comes from inside, meaning themselves. Man, when we depend on ourselves, we all know how disappointing we are to ourselves. But we can always trust in what God does to lift us up. God is the God of peace. Six separate times in the New Testament, our Father is called the God of peace. The source of peace is God. There is no other source. Jesus, in Scripture, is the manifestation of the Father, and he's referred to as the Prince of Peace. The Holy Spirit is the agent of peace. The Holy Spirit applies and supplies the peace of God in our lives as he works through the Word of God into our hearts to cause us to be transformed, to understand he is in control, and he'll do the work. We just have to be obedient to his call. I mean, when you think about that, the God of peace sent the Prince of Peace who sends the Spirit of Peace to give us the fruit of peace. Isn't it? In Galatians, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. A kingdom maker is going to be someone who has peace and understands the power of peace to change lives. To me, if you and I are peacemakers, we must know God and draw upon his supply of love to be peacemakers. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says, For in him is the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, speaking of Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood on the cross. That's the message of Easter. The world desperately needs to hear that message. To me, Isaiah said it best, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought peace. The only peace this world knows, because those who know God are foreigners, aliens, living in a world that's not ours, right? Because we're not of this world. The only peace we know in the world is to know Christ. To know in the midst of our trials and tribulations, he is with us. He walks with us. Peace isn't the absence of strife and conflict. It's having the presence of God in the midst of it so that we can control our nature and be peacemakers. To me, I think when we understand all that, he's our source of peace. We understand we must be at peace with ourselves and with others. Philippians, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, says this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And I love this next thing. The Lord is at hand. Isn't that awesome? Hey, let your reasonableness be known because God's working. Don't work against them. Work with them. Do not be anxious about anything but in prayer and and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 
And when that happens, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? In other words, when we give it all over to him, he does a work in us that helps us to be stayed and, and, and steady. He'll guard and garrison the situation of our hearts to be what? To be peacemakers in the midst of turmoil and strife. To me, it speaks to that inner peace that's available to those who have made peace with God. Without it, how can you have it? To me, the believer is to replace worry and anxiety with what? Prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. He goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let me tell you something. When you're thinking about all the things that are going wrong in life, if you just took a moment, instead of thinking all the negative things, started thinking of all those things that God has done in your life, it will change you like that. I love what he says, what you've learned and something we've got to learn and received and heard and and seen in me. Here's the point. Practice these things. Isn't that interesting? Practice them. Because, you know, left to ourselves, we do what we want to do. We want to fill self. And what he's saying is, look, all this stuff, practice it because when you do, you will see the benefits of it and then the, the God of peace will be with you. How powerful is that? Romans again says, so let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual building up. To me, this kind of peace is that will sustain us through the storms of life and something to help us get through. Not just get through, but to shine the light of Christ in the midst of it. If you're here this morning and you've got cancer and you walk through the peace of God through that cancer, people will see God in you. If you're somebody struggling financially and somebody around you sees how you're walking and trusting God for the very things that you don't have, people are going to see God's peace and light in you. And you're struggling in your marriage to just walk and, and, and live together and all of a sudden they see how you're trusting in God for your spouse. They're going to see peace and life in you. To me, we who have made peace with God and know peace with God must strive to live in peace with ourselves. In other words, accept who we've been, what's happened to our life, and understand it. But then as Paul says, put the past behind and change my future. Too many people are bothered by the past, they're hampered by the past, they're handicapped by the past, and they can't get past the past because they can't live at peace with their past. And he calls us to put it behind us and live in the peace of God for what we can have an impact on, which is the present and the future. Strive towards that goal, the scripture tells us. We are are called to peace. We are to actively pursue peace. We are to strive for peace with all men as far as it is within us to live peaceably with all. Isn't that what scripture says? To live peaceably with all. And the last thing that I think most important thing is we must proclaim peace to the world. When you've made peace with God and you know God peace, don't you want to share that with others, right? Don't you want to be the one who proclaims that truth, that what has set you free from the things of this world? The work of a peacemaker ultimately is the work of an evangelist. 
It's about going out and making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's peacemakers. Isaiah said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation and say to Zion, your God reigns. Man, when God's reigning, there is peace. It should be something that people see. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, what? The ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them, amen? And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him had no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's the gospel It's the message of Easter. It's the ministry of reconciliation. It's what we're called to be, peacemakers. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. To me, you remember the Philippian jailer who was, when Paul and them were broken out and set free, he was so distraught he was going to kill himself. What did Paul do? He says, hey, Peter, do I mean? He says, hey, you can have peace. Let me tell you about Jesus. And right there, he met the God of this world, I mean the God of the world, and said, hey, I got peace. Ran home to his family. What was the first thing he shared with them? The peace of God. To me, if you're a child of God, you have to be a peacemaker. Peacemakers are called the children of God. And it's interesting with that passage, you know, when it says, blessed are the peacemakers, you will be called children of God. It's, it's, it's int- I mean, it doesn't say children of God, it says sons of God. And it's a really small change, but it's important. Because children speak to a characteristic, right? Whereas sons speak to a position. It's more of an endearment term. And it's this verb that's always moving forward, that it's always existing. You are a son. In other words, you have a position in the family of God. And so I think that when you look at it, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. It's a future passive verb that suggests it's for eternity. Amen. You never have to worry about whether you're in the family or out of the family. Isaiah wrote, you must keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. To me, 700 years ago, and this is a important thing that I've learned over the last few years and it's helped open my mind to different things and I think it's important for us to really think about people who have lived differently than us. There was a remarkable man, although he was the son of a very wealthy merchant and destined to be a knight, he gave it all up and he threw it all away and he took a path of not wealth and fame, he chose instead to wear ragged clothes that he took off a scarecrow. And uh, he spent his days preaching and giving to others, and he chose to live in other poverty. History records he was noble and kind, Christ-like man, perhaps one of the greatest Christians that's ever lived, and we know him today as Francis of Assisi. 
what an impact he's had. He was a man of peace. And somewhere along the line, somebody took the prayer that he, that he prayed and translated. They made it into a song. But I love the prayer because here's what it says. We all know it. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Isn't that a great prayer? Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me do something to make the situation better. Let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me do something to make the situation better. Let me pardon. Where there is doubt, let me do something to make the situation better and impart faith. Where there is despair, let me do something to make the situation better and provide hope. Where there is darkness, let me make the situation better and provide light. And where there is sadness, let me do something to make the situation better and impart joy. To me, I think if we always go about every relationship and situation, whether it's in conflict or nothing, we ask ourselves this question, am I making the situation better? Have I done something to make the situation better? To me, that's our metric of success because the peace that comes is God's work. Are we the messengers? Are we speaking peace into people's lives? Are we talking about the ministry of reconciliation? Are we being peacemakers? And I know sometimes people feel inadequate. They don't know what they can do. They don't feel like they're gifted in any way, and they don't know how they can help. I don't have any money to help. I don't know anything to, to say to help. I don't, can't relate to that. I can't be empathetic to that. And they, they kind of struggle. Sometimes you just got to do what, whatever how God has crafted you. Let me tell you and give you a story, and I'm going to close with this. Back in the siege of Sarajevo that happened from 1989 to 1992, terrible devastation, uh, you know, the city was under siege and they were lobbing bombs into the city. And, and one day this, this guy got up and he was going to go to his bakery to get some bread. And he went to the bakery and right before he got there, a bomb hit the bakery and killed 22 innocent civilians standing in line for bread. The devastation was so great, it just changed him. He couldn't get over it and he didn't know what to do. So I'll tell you what he did. He was a cellist in the symphony, and that's all he knew how to do. So what he did, he dressed up in his tuxedo with the tails, and he went to the site where the bomb had exploded and the bodies were removed, and for 22 straight days, he played one piece of music for each person that died in that bombing. That's all he could do. But he wanted to do something to make the situation better. And if you look at history... It says the whole reason why the shift in attitude happened in that siege to change it from total sniper fire, random bombings, fighting every day, to a place where they were able to get peaceful resolution was because of what this one man did. It's a picture of it, I think. You can show it. Is it in there? Sat just like that and played for 22 days. And people came around in spite of the danger and everything else, and they listened to him play. Never underestimate the power of doing something to make a situation better if you're doing it for the glory of God and the good of those individuals. God will always use it. He wants to use you to do something better, do something to make the situation better. God is good, is he not?
Last, I'm going to close with this. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, and indeed it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let's all bow our heads. Lord, we, we know you've called us to be people of peace. Lord, I know for sure this morning that everybody in this room, that somebody is struggling with peace. Somebody struggling with hostility in their family, in their neighborhood, in their work situation. And Lord, I just ask you to have your hand upon them. Help them to see that they just have to do something to make the situation better and leave the rest up to you. To be people who live peaceably. To be people who propagate the, the, the peace that you gave us through your son Jesus. To be people who proclaim the truth of the gospel of the ministry of reconciliation. And Lord, give us the courage to do so. Give us the boldness to do so. Give us the wisdom to do so. And if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that doesn't understand that, Lord, without you, they're your enemy because of the sin in their life. That they may know that all they have to do is, Lord, is confess their sin before you, trust in what you did on the cross of Calvary, and ask you to come into their life, and, Lord, they will have the peace of God that transcends all understanding for eternity. It's a simple prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Come into my heart. And by the blood of your shed blood on Calvary, Lord, my sins are washed as white as snow. And I can have a relationship now with you through your son Jesus, atoning sacrifice. Help me, Lord, to live like him, to learn and to grow to be more like him. Lord, I'd ask that we just trust you for your work today, right where we sit. If there's a person on our heart, Lord, that we need to be reconciled to, Lord, bring it forth that we may act on it, that we may do and put into practice the things that you've given us to make a difference in a world living in hostility. I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.